Hi, everybody. I'm back. I just realized I'm so campy about this. It's all new. This is all new for me. And I hope you're going to bear with me. Um, by no stretch of the imagination, am I um, perfect? So I can own that today. So this is episode 109. And my topic today is what it was like. And I'm going to also talk about a retreat that I'm starting. And today's podcast is sponsored by Soberlink. Each and every person is in the fight against alcohol addiction has their own reason for recovery. Maybe it's a husband, a wife, daughter, son, mom, dad, best friend, colleague, job, hobby, or just yourself. Whatever your reason for recovery, we're all in this together. On Busy Living Sober, my mission includes building a strong community, the importance of staying connected, and working to break the stigma. Um, I started Busy Living Sober just because I wanted people to be able to talk about recovery and um, just one person at a time because this disease is deadly. That um, Soberlink agrees with me. So that's why I partnered with them. And Soberlink is a remote alcohol monitoring technology created to provide accountability for people in recovery. The system includes a high-tech breathalyzer device with facial recognition that allows you to share your sobriety in real time with loved ones who can offer support in the event of a slip or a relapse. Soberlink has helped hundreds of thousands of people document proof of sobriety in real time to help rebuild trust and foster peace of mind. Soberlink is currently building a strong community of people in recovery. Get inspired and inspire others today by joining the community at www.soberlink.com slash BLS for Busy Living Sober. Okay, I'm done with my technicalities. We've done our advertising and now I'm back with everybody. And I decided to talk about what it was like because it was 16 years ago, but I believe that sobriety is just one day at a time. And here I am today, a sober mom, a sober wife, a sober friend, a sober neighbor, um, to name a few. And it was, um, you know, 16 years ago, I was a single mom with three little kids, divorced, newly divorced. And, um, totally out of my mind. I had so many feelings that I wanted to run away from. I was scared of what was going to happen to my kids. I was scared of how I was going to live my life divorced with three little kids. And um, my answer for many, many years had been alcohol, booze. It was my best friend. At 13, I started drinking. And I don't want to say I remember my first drink because I really don't. But I can tell you this. I started drinking at 13. It was like, ah, ha, 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 ha. This is awesome. I loved it. I can tell you that. Um, but I was a blackout drinker from day one. And some people might be like, well, what's that? Well, I would wake up in the morning and not really remember anything that I'd done the night before. And um, I didn't think that was bad. Isn't that kind of weird? I guess it is weird looking back in hindsight. Like I didn't want to remember. All I wanted to do was numb out. I didn't want to have any feelings. I just wanted everything to go away. I wanted my um, my feelings of less than, my feelings of being judged, my feelings of judging myself, my feelings that my marriage had broken up, my feelings of what I'd done to my kids. I tell people a lot of times that um, when I 
got divorced, I feel like I threw a grenade in the living room and trap metal hit everyone. And everybody was so sad and everybody was so broken up. And I was like, oh my God, life sucks. This is terrible, 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 terrible. Pour me another drink, pour me, pour me, pour me, pour me another drink. And um, I was like the last girl at the bar all the time. I was last call for alcohol. I always, before I went out, I always had two bottles of wine, right? One for when I was getting ready and for when I came home. And then I'd dance in my kitchen and I'd fall over and it was fun and it was games. It was all this fun stuff. And um, it was crazy. It was so crazy. I um, I lived in complete uh, drama, chaos. It was insane because I was either planning on when I was going to get drunk, planning how I wasn't going to get drunk, how I was going to get somewhere, how I wasn't going to get somewhere. Is there? This is pre-Uber, pre-a um, lot of things. And um, pre-cell phones, thank God, because I'd probably be arrested by now, like with social media. But um, and doing things like I'm doing right now, thank God this wasn't around because I can imagine myself totally wasted getting on here going, oh, my God, listen to me. And um, and I'd always wanted to be the next Barbara Walter. So, hey, sign me up. This would have been it. And totally drunk because I did a lot of things totally drunk or totally hungover because it gave me courage. Right. That was the courage thing. It was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to drink and then I'm going to have courage and it doesn't matter what anybody thinks. And um, I still, to this day, kind of care what people think. I'm trying to really work on that. And um, I put myself out there today because I realized that this disease is killing more people than not and that our society and our communities today, especially in America, I'm just going to talk about America because that's what I know the best. I don't know overseas that well, so I'm not going to talk about it, but I can imagine it feels this way too because this pandemic that we all lived through was um, so hard. And I thought it was so ironic that um, during the pandemic, they closed churches, they closed like meetings, they closed temples, they closed all these places where people gathered to support each other, they closed them all, but they kept the liquor stores open. Mm, isn't that ironic? I think that's kind of crazy. It speaks a lot to um, the alcohol industry. But um, it, it, this disease that I really didn't want to have, it was the last thing I wanted to have. I could, um, uh, I would be anything else but an alcoholic. I didn't want to be one. It was... Um, it was really hard. It was really hard because as I mentioned a little bit ago is that, um, it was such a part of my life. It was all I had, right? It was all I had. I, um, it was what I managed my life with was, um, was alcohol. It was drinking. It was, um, I don't know if I, I guess it would, you would say it was my way. It was my God. It was my way of being able to deal with me. It was, um, it was difficult to say the least. Um, I felt really alone. I felt really small. I hated everything about myself. I hated when I looked in the mirror. I was big and I still kind of am, and I'm working on this just to be honest, um, the outsides, it was like, well, if my outsides looks good, then I'm okay, right? If I do my hair, I put on my makeup, I put on a fun outfit, I put on the great shoes, then everything's okay. But unfortunately, that was all the outside stuff, right? 
the inside was still feeling lost, alone, like a little kid that didn't have um, anywhere to go, didn't have anybody to talk to. I felt so alone. And I could be standing in a room, in a bar especially, with a lot of people and still feel totally alone. I could have somebody standing in front of me talking to me and I wouldn't be listening to them because I'd be thinking about how I was feeling and how I was feeling less than and how I was measuring myself to the other person that was standing in front of me and the other people that were in the room. I was um, all about that. I was all about, um, I'm still declining a phone call. Um, I was all about what everybody else was doing and what everybody's outside looked like compared to my insides. And that's kind of like, when you think about it, it, um, it's kind of shallow and kind of small, but it was who I was. I was, um, a big judger of outsides compared to my insides. And so I drank and I drank and I drank and I was again, the blackout drinker and I'd wake up in the morning and go, what did I do? Um, what's going on? What did I do last night? Who's that? Oh my gosh, that sort of thing. I don't know if anybody can relate to that, but I was, um, I drank and I drank and I drank and it was literally my, the answer, it just fixed me. It made it okay. It made life okay. I could bear life if I were drunk. So um, I knew that I had been an alcoholic for a long time, but it was the last thing I wanted to be. And um, it's a family disease for my family and um, other people had had it. And the people in my family that talked about the other people that were alcoholics. And I can tell you this, there's not one family or one person I meet in America that doesn't say that they know somebody that has a drinking problem. There's not one person I know. Every person I know has some one that they know, a relative, a friend, a neighbor, a cousin, a long distance cousin, a relative that they never even met from years before that had an alcohol problem. And um, so it's not, I, the fact that people can't talk about it is so crazy to me. And um, it's, I think we need to talk about it. That's number one. Number two is that um, I feel as though because there was so much shame around it, and especially now, I, I, got, I was born in 1968, so I was raised in the 70s and the 80s. And, you know, alcoholism at that point was really a person that lived underneath the freeway. It was a person who carried their booze in a brown paper bag. It was um, a lep it was just like the worst person that you wanted to be, right? That was the last thing you wanted to be. I have to say, I'm very grateful to be living right now in 2022, and people are talking about it more often than they ever did before. But when I was getting sober, it was still kind of looked at as a really bad thing to be was an alcoholic. And at the end of my drinking, I really was so, oh, just beaten up. I, I had been drinking a lot at that point. I wanted to add alcohol to my coffee or to my orange juice. And I had three little kids, by the way, and I wanted to do these things. And, um, because I wanted to feel better. I would wake up in the morning and be shaking kind of. I'd be like, uh, oh my gosh. So um, I remember looking above my stove and seeing the booze and going, oh my gosh, I think I need some. I think I need to eat and add some to my drink. And I was scared. That really, really scared me. I'm like, oh my gosh. Um, I'd seen obviously made for TV movies and I'd seen 
programs, Dynasty or whatever, that had alcoholism and they the person was drinking in the morning. And I was like, I'd never done that before. Obviously, I drank in the morning when I went out to a brunch with other people, but not at home by myself. And um, that really, really frightened me. And I was like, oh my gosh, am I at this point? And I didn't want to be at that point, but that scared the shit out of me. I just totally scared the shit out of me. I was like, oh my God, how am I going to live my life with this relationship with this alcohol? Like, how am I going to do it anymore? And I remember going to church a lot of times and getting on my knees and being like, God, just please help me. Just please help me. Please help me. And um, I'd still come back drinking. And I didn't quit until I woke up one day and I realized that I had no control over it. I realized that I'd promised many times, I was like, I'm going to walk, I still to this day remember walking into this bar and going, oh my God, I'm only going to have one. I'm going to have one dirty martini and then I'm going to go home. And I have never had one drink. I mean, maybe if I really controlled it, but I like, once I have one, I have like a thousand, right? I go and I go and I go and there's nothing going to stop me to getting more. I want more. I want more. I want more. That's why I mentioned earlier that I had a bottle for when I came home because I knew I always wanted more. I wanted that little buzz that we get from, um, drinking and it's not it doesn't last very long right it's this buzz that happens and it's fleeting it's so fleeting right we get this buzz and it's amazing and it's like mecca and we still remember where we are and we still are like kind of coherent of what's going on and then we're like oh my god uh, I want that. I want that feeling. I want that feeling, even though it lasts like 20 seconds, maybe 30 at the, at the most. But then you chase it and 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 you chase it. And, chase it and, chase it. and um, I chased it and I chased it, but it never came back. So I go to that place of like, I can't remember and I can't talk and I can't really walk and I can't really function, even though I think on the outside people think I can function. I know that I have one dear friend who would say to me, oh my gosh, you totally scared me last night because you went into this place where I was be like, does anybody, I don't know if anybody can relate to that feeling, but going to that and, um, the next day, somebody's saying to me, oh my God, do you know what you did? And I'd be like, oh my God, I know, I know, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. But it wasn't until I realized that it was overwhelming, that it was killing me, that I was completely I was supposed to be a grown-up, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I was, I had kids. I had major responsibilities. As I mentioned, I was divorced. I had three kids. And I was like, what the heck am I doing? Shit. I am drinking all the time. Nothing's getting better. I don't feel good at all most of the time. I pretend like everything's okay. I remember somebody asking me, I was at a bar, of course, and this girlfriend of mine came up to me and I was going through my divorce and she said, and I of course had a cocktail in my hand and she said, God, you're handling this so well. And I was like, yeah, thanks. Thanks so much. Give me another dirty martini. Um, I didn't want to feel, I just didn't want to feel. 
I didn't want to feel like a failure. I didn't want to feel like a loser. I didn't want to feel like the drunk down the street. I didn't want to feel like who I really was on the inside, which was this person that was just drowning, drowning. It was so much. I was carrying around all these feelings and it was so much. It was literally, it was like I was in the Atlantic Ocean and I had a backpack on my back and it was pulling me down and it was taking me down and it was like, oh my gosh. And then I drink and it wasn't working. It wasn't working anymore. In fact, it was like the worst. It was like the darkest place one could ever be. It was so dark. It was so, it was so scary. It was like, I think I would describe it. I've never been to hell, but I would imagine what hell on earth would feel like. I felt like that, right? I was like, oh my God, I feel like fucking shit. That's just what I feel like. I feel like shit. I feel like I'm just walking around this earth, just doing what you're supposed to be. I felt like I was like in Edward Scissor's hands. I was like doing everything that everybody wanted me to do. And just to get through it, get me another drink. Get me another drink. Get me another drink. Um, And there was never enough. Because guess what? I'd wake up in the morning and everything that I'd been worrying about the day before was still there. Everything that I, all those feelings I had about hating myself and all that, they were gone for that millisecond while I was getting messed up. But I'd wake up the next day and be like, oh my God, they're all still there. Now I wake up and I hate myself even more because what did I say? What did I do? Who did I hurt? Oh my God, I'm so embarrassed. Oh my God, what did I do? Oh my gosh, this is horrible. This is the worst feeling. Oh my God, what did I do? And again, cell phones weren't like they are today. So there wasn't like this history you could go back to. There was no texting. There was none of that. And I thank God for that, because I know I probably would have gotten myself into so, some real trouble with that. But, and so for those of you that are battling this right now, I totally get you. It must be so, oh my God, it must be so hard. I get it. I get it. It must be so hard. But so long story short, I'm not going to go into any more of like my trunkalog and what happened. If you want to hear more about it, let me know though. You can always reach me at busy, B I Z Z Y at busylivingsober.com. That's B U S Y, livingsober.com. And um, so I, I woke up that day and um, I had been at the beach and I fell to my knees and I was like, God, please help me. And um, anybody who knows me knows I'm not a runner. I do not run unless someone's chasing me. And that doesn't happen too often. So I went on this run. I was going to get up in the morning, hung over to a bit like a bear, right? I'm, my head's killing me. I'm like, what did I do last night? Holy shit. I'd started drinking at four o'clock in the afternoon, which I had always said, oh, it's four o'clock. It's five o'clock somewhere in the world. And I'm drinking and I'm drinking and I'm drinking and I'm by myself. And I'm literally sitting uh, like on the end of our, we had a dock at that point in my life. My family had a dock, not, I did not own this dock. Somebody else in my family did. And I'm hanging out there and I'm all by myself and I've got my phone. I got my pack of cigarettes, Marble Lights, and a bottle of wine, a bottle of Chardonnay. And I was sitting there all by myself and I had been drinking since four o'clock and now it's 3 a.m. And I, I, I guess I managed to get my way to the bedroom and I get into bed and I wake up the next day and my head is pounding like nobody's business. I will throw one thing in here. I have been to the hospital for a hangover. My sister took me to the hospital because I told her I was dying. She was like, Elizabeth, you're not dying. What did you drink last night? And I'm like, mm, what did I drink? Let's see. I had a dirty martini 
couple glasses of red wine, maybe some white wine, some shots. I had all that stuff. So obviously I felt terrible the next day. She took me to the hospital that time. But anyway, not to digress, back to this day that I actually was the last day I drank. Um, that was my last drink, by the way, that do end of the dock of the bay. I, um, I went on this run on the beach, fell to my knees, and I'm like, God, please help me. I spoke to a family member who referred me to 12 step and, um, and the reality is, is that that was my bottom. And I know some, I've watched so many people die, um, since I've been sober, I've watched, um, so many people that go out and come back in that have quit drinking and then pick up for whatever reason. And they call me and they say, Oh my gosh, it's gotten so much worse. How am I going to do this? And it's hard being sober in this society is hard. Um, I can tell you that it is, um, it's around me everywhere still to this day. I just went on a yoga retreat and every day we, we, try, we had breakfast in a bar, which was kind of weird, but anyway, not to digress. Um, it's around me everywhere and I'm not allergic to any food I don't know of, at least for sure. But um, I can imagine if I were allergic to something. I've got an allergy to alcohol. I drink it. I can't stop. I have it in my family. I genetically was passed down to me. I do not have a moral problem. I do not have, I mean, when I'm drinking, I do morally bad things. But as a human being, I'm not a morally bad person. While I was drinking, I might have been. But as a sober person, not so much. And I you know, I made this the most important thing in my life was for that first year, especially, I really embraced the fact that I was quitting. It didn't matter. I wasn't going to, I didn't care. I was not going to pick up a drink no matter what. I had made this promise. I was going to keep this promise myself. It didn't matter. I went to 12 step daily, sometimes twice a day. I was so scared to go there because it had such a connotation with it. It had such a, you know, there was this sense of like, oh my God, only losers go there. Only deadbeats go there. Only this goes there. Only that goes there. You know, so many different um, adjectives I could describe 12 step for. I'm not going to go into too much into it because there's this anonymity piece. But I will tell you this, that I went to a 12 step meeting in my town. I got to the church where I was going. I can tell you that door was like, Oh, I mean, I've never pulled the door open that felt so bad. And I can even say that about the gym. I hate going to the gym. So that's really bad too. But going to this meeting was like, oh my God, this is the scariest shit I've ever done. Oh my God, I can't believe I'm doing this. I was so scared. And I did admit the fact that I was really scared. I was so scared. I had been, I was more scared to do that than I was to have a kid, uh, get married, buy a house, buy a car, do anything else. Uh, that was the scariest thing I ever did was ask for help. That was the scariest thing I ever did was ask for help. I couldn't believe I was asking for help. I always thought I got this. I got this. I can do this. And the reality was I couldn't do it. I needed help. I, um, I couldn't do it alone. I needed somebody to help me. I asked somebody to help me and she said yes. And, um, the journey has been so, um, it's not always been easy. You know, I've lost some of my closest friends I've ever had in my entire life. I've lost some due to alcoholism and drug addiction, some not. Um, it, um, 
I didn't drink. I've had to take care of me and what is what is important to me over what society might think is important to me, what um, people might think is important, relationships I've had to walk away from because they're too hard and I can't have them anymore. And um, I have to stay sober and that's number one. And if I have to cut people out of my life, I'm sorry, but it's what I have to do for my myself and my sanity. It's not about them. It's about me. I have to take care of me. I have three kids, as I mentioned. Now they're older. They're adults. They just told me they don't really need me that much anymore, which of course hurt my feelings like nobody's business. But it's true. They don't need me anymore. Um, But I had to make this the forefront of my life. I had to do this before anything else. And people told me that I would have to do that. And I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. I got other things to do. I'm busy. Like, look at my nicknames, busy. I'm, I've got other things to do rather than, you know, doing all this stuff you have to do to work on yourself and to change because changing is hard. And I remember growing up, somebody saying to me, um, no one ever changes. And I have to say, that's a lie. You can change. It takes a lot of work. It's a lot of tears, a lot of sorrow, a lot of um, pain, but you can change. It takes time. They say it takes 90 days to change something in your life. I know that people can relate with dieting, I guess. And doing this for um, 90 days and then getting comfortable. It's taken me, um, I guess, this entire journey where I am. And I'm still on this journey. I don't, it's not like, I see so many people going like, you still do that. You still do this. And it's like, well, yeah, I mean, I still have to go to the gym, right? Even though I hate it. I still have to work out. I still have to watch what I'm going to eat. I still have to be healthy if I want to have a long life, right? So if I want to have a long, healthy life, I've got to continue doing this. It has nothing to do with the actual um, getting in my car and going to a, a meeting. It has to do with me being okay in my head. And what do I need to make Elizabeth okay, feel okay? So then I'm a better person to the people around me. What do I have to do for that? And there's certain things I have to do. And one of those is that I have to go to a meeting. Another one of those is I have to talk to other people that have this disease that I have. And I have to help other people. Um, when I started Sober Not Ashamed, I think it was like 13 years ago. I don't even know the exact date. I'm not a date person. But when I started it, I was really big into Sober Not Ashamed. I said, I'm going to name it Sober Not Ashamed because I have so much shame. And I did have so much shame. And um, I still kind of have shame. I'm not going to lie. This is really scary doing this streaming thing, by the way. Um, It feels very vulnerable. I feel very naked right now. But anyway, so um, I did Sober Not Ashamed. And then God put somebody in my life that helped me change it to Busy Living Sober. And then somebody else said, start a podcast. Again, I've been willing to have people help me along the line. I've been willing to, when somebody asks me something, instead of saying no, I say yes, which sometimes is very uncomfortable. Um, but I'm willing to do that today and I'm willing to put myself in situations that aren't comfortable. I'm willing to walk through the fear as scary as things are. I don't think anything's as scary as it was walking in and asking for that first thing of help. That might've been the, that might've been the scariest thing I've ever done still to this day, asking for help because I don't know where we started telling people like we got this. (laughs) Who's got it? I don't know anybody who's got it. Who on the, walking on this planet has got it? 
Who walks through this planet not being like not going through this with some bumps, some lumps? Um, nobody's got a perfect life. I don't care what you may see on TV. No one's got a perfect life. Everybody's got something. And what are you willing to do to make sure that you are okay? So you don't have to continue on that path of being not okay, of not liking yourself, of hating who you are, about hating your life, about hating raising kids, having to make dinner, having to do the laundry, having to do all these mundane things we all have to do. When do we get to this place that we're like, it's okay, this is part of my journey and I'm going to embrace every minute of my life. Because the reality is a lot of people didn't wake up this morning. A lot of people are going to go to bed tonight and not wake up. There's going to be a lot of people right this moment that are dying. And um, right now, drugs and alcohol are really prevalent in our society. And more people are dying of drug overdoses than ever before. There's more drugs coming in over the border. You know, it's a scary time. And what are you willing to do to get help? Obviously, reach out to your doctor prior to doing anything, because let's face it, I know people that have died from coming off of drugs and alcohol. I know people that have gone and decided to quit drinking on their own and they died of a seizure because this is not a joke. We think because it's sold in every grocery store, every uh, gas station, every liquor store in America that it's safe for us, but it's not. No. And it's legal. It's not. It can kill you just as much as fentanyl can if you go off of alcohol without doctors you are going to be in trouble you could very well die so talk to a doctor all the way also get a therapist it's always good to get a therapist today there's like all these ways to do it it's so much easier than it was back in the day you've got these phones there's all these apps there's all these things you can do to take care of you um i have to say i've had a lot of help along this journey i'm going to have a lot of help going forward Um, I am not all better. I am continually going to be an alcoholic till the day I die. I just pray that I won't have to have a drink again and that the certain things that I have in my repertoire that I use to help me be okay, all those tools I have in my little toolbox that I use for Elizabeth to be okay, I'm going to use those going forward. Um, I've added, uh, prayer, meditation, yoga in my life um, recently. That has not been forever. Um, In the beginning, when people are like, you're going to meditate, I'd be like, there's no freaking way I'm meditating. I'm thinking about where's dinner? What am I going to do next? My head's just going. So I just started to be able to do that 16 years later. Yeah. Um, Not a quick learner. I guess I am not. I'm not going (laughs) to. But it was my time. It has been my time to get used to this. Um, And um, I have been wanting to have a retreat for a long time. And I um, have wanted to get together with like-minded people, um, especially women. Sorry for those guys out there, but I want to get together with other women and talk and make friendships. Because let's face it, I feel like it's really hard to make friendships today. We all feel like we're being judged. We all feel like, I think that because of our what's going on politically in our world that it's pinned everybody against each other. And, um, it doesn't matter who you vote for, what you believe in. I think we all are just human trying to get through this life one day at a time. And I think it'd be easier if we loved each other rather than judged each other. And, um, when I was growing up, it didn't matter what political party you were with. It just mattered that you were friends. And, um, maybe your only common thing was that you were moms or you were dads, but 
I wanted to have this, I wanted to have a retreat for a long time. And for whatever reason, and probably mostly because I didn't want to be judged, and I didn't want it to fail. Um, I didn't put it out there, but I have now. So I am hosting a retreat in Sedona, Arizona, October 13th through 19th. If you can only come for a couple of days, let me know. Um, only eight people can come and I already have one person signed up. So it's only open for seven more people. And um, if you're interested, reach out to me at busy, B-I-Z-Z-Y at busylivingsober.com. And um, it's we're going to go and we're going to chill and we're going to eat really good food and we're going to do a little bit of yoga and we're going to do a little bit of talking about feelings. And I have a professional coming who is a actual yogi and she does some amazing work and I'm very excited to have her with me. Her name's Julie Wilson and she owns a yoga school that certifies people. And she's got some magic in her pocket that I'm very excited to share with you guys. And all I ask you to do is come with a willingness to want to learn and to change. And this could be the start of the rest of your life. And um, again, if you want to learn about it, it's um, go to busylivingsober.com. I have um, I have it on. It's under um, Get Busy Living, just so you know. Um, you're not alone. You can do this. It seems really hard. It seems really hard. I know. But how are you going to do it one day at a time? Some days it's going to be one second at a time. And getting some tools in your toolbox that work for you is so important. Figuring out what it is that really makes you happy. And I'm going to tell you, I didn't know. I didn't know what made me happy. And um, today I'm starting to learn that even more. Um, I can tell you this. I got sober thinking that green was my favorite color when it actually is orange. It is, um, it's still a daily reprieve I have. I just have today. I sometimes say whoever woke up first thing this morning has the longest sobriety, which is kind of true in my life, to be honest, because um, I still have things that trigger me and I still have things that get me off my beam. But all I can tell you is that I found a community that is supportive and is loving and is there for me and it has taken time and as I mentioned there have been people in my life previously that are no longer in my life for whatever reason and that's okay what other people think about me is none of my business wow that was powerful right and I'm going to end with this I um I a lot of my life and I feel like a lot of humans life that's why I sometimes want to change my podcast but I haven't to busy living life I think a lot of us spend a lot of time worrying about what we did previously and what happened before in our lives. And we carry it around on our backs like this big backpack that's filled with bricks and all the stuff we did in our past and how much regret, sorrow, um, shame. Um, I could go on and on about adjectives that are negative about what we did in our past and how we wish it was different, how we wish something was different. I wish I'd done this differently. I wish I'd done that. I coulda, I woulda, I shoulda, I shoulda. That was a big one, right? I should have done this instead of doing that. Why did I do this? I'm so stupid. Da, da, da. I don't know if anybody can relate to that. And so we spend one day, one of our feet in yesterday constantly worrying about what we did before. The fear, the regret, all that in yesterday. So we've got one foot over there. Then we've got this other foot in tomorrow 
or next week or next year or next decade or whatever it is. And we go to this place where we're like, oh my God, what is it going to be like in the future? When I get there, everything's going to be okay. When my kids grow up, everything's going to be okay. When I get that job, everything's going to be okay. When I get that money, everything's going to be okay. When this president becomes president, I'm going to be okay. When this happens in the future, everything's going to be okay. So now here we are with one leg in yesterday and one leg in tomorrow. Now, I don't know about you, but I cannot do the splits, okay? I don't like doing the splits. I've never been able to do the splits. I can't even do a freaking cartwheel. So there you go. But the uncomfortableness we have in being in today because we're sitting here straddling these other places. So let's just face it. If you're sitting on a fence and you got that wood in between your crotch and you're like, shit, this is so fucking uncomfortable. And that's how we are in our lives. If we've got one foot in yesterday and another foot in tomorrow, that's uncomfortable. So how do we get right here? Buddha always says, it's the present is the gift. And I always didn't really get that, what that felt like, but it's so true. If we just look at today, right this moment, can we get through this moment? These feelings, they're not really facts. They're going to change, right? I came into this program saying, I'm never going to do that. I'm never going to do that. I'm never going to do this. I'm never going to do that. I'm never going to do this. I'm never going to do that. And the reality is I've done a lot of those things that I said I never was going to do. Um, the only thing I haven't done is not picked up a drink. And however you find a way in your heart to not do that one day at a time, how are you going to do that? How are you going to get through a minute? What's going to be a tool you're going to use so you don't pick up that drink? How are you going to sit there and calm? It's going to be hard. I can tell you in the beginning, it's going to be hard. So what I would do is go to Baskin Robbins. I get an ice cream. Thank God the pandemic's over. You can go to the movies. You can watch Netflix. You can watch, um, oh my God, Hulu, all these, there's so much television, it's unbelievable. Um, I can tell you it was hard to read in the very beginning because I couldn't retain very much because my head was just bouncing back and forth, bouncing, bouncing, bouncing. Um, it's going to take time and be nice to yourself. If that means chocolate cake's your favorite thing, get a piece of chocolate cake. If it's vanilla ice cream, if you're gluten-free, if you're gluten -free, get a pair of gluten something, um, dairy-free. I went to Baskin Robbins every day. People asked me where I was. They had thought I had moved because I wasn't at the same place as I used to go to. You got to change all that up, especially for the first year. I planted a tree within myself. I firmly planted myself in the feelings of the fact that I, me and alcohol don't mix. If I want to have a happy life, I can't have booze in my life. They might lie to me and tell me if I can get that booze, I'm going to be okay because I'm not going to have these feelings, but it's a big fat lie because all it does is give me a momentary moments, as I mentioned, 20 seconds of relief. The rest of the time I'm chasing it and it's not good. And let's face it, it's too many calories. Um, and I want to feel good today because I've, wa I wasted too much time and I can't look back at what I wasted. All I have to do is be like, I am grateful for that time because I learned so much during my drinking of who and what I don't want to be. I don't want to be that anymore. I don't want to hate myself. I don't care what you think about me because it doesn't really matter. If I don't like me, that's number one. Yes, family members are not going to be happy. People around you are, might not be comfortable when you change, but fuck it. Who cares? It's not about them. It's about you. When are you going to make you a priority? It took me a long time to make me a priority. And people in my family told me that I was selfish and that I was self-centered. And yes, it's true. I am selfish. I'm selfish. I have to be okay because the reality is I am the mother of three children. I have a husband and I live in a community. And when I'm driving a suburban drunk, I'm not really being uh, responsible, right? No. 
Thank God there's Uber today. But if you're out there, please know you're not alone. You're not alone. Um, you can do this. Talk to your doctor. Reach out to somebody. You can even reach out to me. As I mentioned, it's busy, B-I-Z-Z-Y, at busy, B-U-S-Y, living, L-I-V-I-N-G, sober, S-O-B-E-R, dot com. And um, you can do this. It's just, it's giving yourself the time to figure it out. Figuring it out. It's not going to be perfect. Your house is never going to be perfect. You might not be perfect. I've never been perfect. It's, I'm, I kind of feel blessed. I'm, I don't want to strive to be perfect because I think that would be really boring. You know, um, I'm going to end with this. I came in, um, when I decided to get sober, they would say, well, you don't drink like a normal person. And I'd be like, a normal person? What's a normal person? A normal person to me is so, like, I would give it like the example of being like a piece of Wonder Bread, right? Every piece of Wonder Bread, except for the first one and the last one, look the exact same right? They're the exact same. They have the same crust, the same white in the middle. That's normal. Who wants to be normal? I'm multigrain. I might even be 12 grain or even more than that grain. Like the multiest, bumpiest, that's me. That makes me up. I do not fit in a box. You cannot check something that says I'm this or this or this or that. And last I checked, as human beings, we're not supposed to fit in a box. A computer can fit in a box, right? Why do we all want to be the same? When did that happen? Why do we all want to look the same? Why do we all want to have all this stuff done so we look the same? That to me would be really boring. I wouldn't want to look the exact same as everybody else. No. I want to be a little different because let's face it, all I know for sure is we, we are born and we die. So while I'm here, I want to be a little different. I want to be remembered. I don't want to be like, oh, she was normal. She was like white bread. She didn't, she just went through this life like this. Nah. I was an alcoholic. I drank all the time for 37 years. And uh, did lots of things that I wish were different, but they aren't. And I have to accept that. And I have to accept that I have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow. And I have to accept that today is all I have. And if you're out there and you listened or you watched my first, um, my first live video on uh, on live chat on YouTube, thanks to Henry Chance, um, I just did this for the first time. Next time, maybe I'll post what I'm going to be on. If you care to know, email me and tell me if you liked it or if you want me to do this again. Maybe I'll never do this again and this will be my first and only live on YouTube. I don't know, but let me know in the comments. And um, please know that you are not alone. You are not alone. You are not alone. As much as your head wants to tell you you're alone, you're not. And you're not a freak if you have a problem with alcohol because a lot of people do. And if you want to change, you can, but just do it a little bit at a time and talk to your doctor first. Okay, everybody. Thanks for listening. You've heard enough of me. I've been on for 43 minutes. That's a long time for me. I normally am only on for 30. I promise next week I will be only on for 30 minutes. This was too long. Okay. Take care. Thanks for all the support. If you want more info on the retreat, let me know. And it's going to be awesome. I can't wait. And uh, life is good. 
And if you're here, you, and you decide you want to quit, you can do this. This can be the first day of the rest of your life and just do it one day at a time and, um, keep getting busy, living sober and living life because we only get one time around this planet. I think, I think we only get one time. Maybe we get more, but who cares? That's for somebody else to discuss. Take care. Thanks for listening and keep getting busy, living sober. Take care. Bye.